Live Bill here. Bill Barnwell Show is up in a moment, but just wanted to first remind you guys about ESPN Daily with a woman by the name of Mina Kimes. Well, I know Bill Barnwell Show listeners do not know who Mina Kimes is, but okay, of course you know who Mina Kimes is. Frequent contributor to this show and does great work every day on ESPN Daily, Monday through Friday, a 15, 20, 25 minute show in that range. Talk about daily topics when it comes to sports. So great thing to listen to in the morning. I'm just waking up. That's when I listen to it. It is a fantastic table setter for the day. So check out ESPN Daily with Mina Kimes. And of course, subscribe to ESPN Daily and the Bill Burnwell Show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Here comes the show. All right. Joining me on the show now, talk about the Rams and what is a slightly less exciting offseason than perhaps the Rams have had in years past, is our Rams reporter here at ESPN, Lindsay Theory. Lindsay, how are you? Hi, Bill. Uh, you're doing well uh, out here in L.A., uh, getting a little exercise. Other than that, uh, mostly staying at home these days. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, I mean, it was certainly a uh, an interesting week for the Rams when it came to free agency. We'll start with the big story for the Rams. We'll start with Todd Gurley, who, of course, was cut by the Rams uh, last week. After what seemed like a week where they were trying to trade him, there was a deadline that was set for his contract to guarantee in the future, and the Rams decided to cut a guy who was a MVP candidate two years ago, even a, a pretty good player, you know, just recently is 2018 before struggling in 2019, a guy who, of course, the Rams had been denying had a knee injury, had denied that he was anything but 100%. I mean, in terms of this whole Todd Gurley saga, was there an element of surprise for you? Were you shocked that they did decide to cut him? Or did you kind of see this as just sort of the natural end to what's been a really strange couple years for Gurley and the Rams? Yeah, Bill, it's been, like you said, a very strange um, year and a half plus for for Gurley and the Rams. Uh, I was not shocked by any means that they cut him. Uh, you could kind of see the wheels in motion that something had to give. Uh, but at the end of the day, on, on the other hand, you are still pretty surprised, right? Because it was less than two years ago that the Rams were giving him a record-breaking deal for a running back, um, that they're talking about how excited they are to have a core piece who will carry mm-hmm. them into their future, which includes opening the 2020 season in SoFi Stadium. So when you kind of look back at the last 20 months, that's really when Gurley got hurt. It was only July 2018 that they gave him the extension. And so to think just in this short time span, he went from the end-all, be-all of this organization to just cut in a tweet. Uh, it, it is surprising. So in terms of Gurley, I mean, this is a guy who, even as recently as late December, even though Les Snead was saying that, uh, you know, Ty Gurley was not producing the same numbers, Les Snead was saying that he didn't regret the contract he gave Gurley, and that he can still come back and get to a higher level in 2020. So, I mean, do you think that was just posturing at the time? Do you think something changed in terms of their viewpoint over the last few months? Or is it just sort of, you know, ignoring reality at the time and sort of just they had to face it at this point in terms of their cap situation? Can I say D, all of the above? <laughs> uh, I, I think that, <laughs> I, I, from the very beginning when, when Todd had the knee injury, um, toward the end of the regular season in 2018. And, and it really, it's not even a knee injury. It is a condition that is obviously the result of having reconstructive knee surgery from back when he was at Georgia. Um, but Todd Gurley and the Rams, which would include Sean McVay, Les Snead, um, and, and even teammates, it's like they were never on the same page about how they were going to handle Gurley going forward. Like, was this a snap count? Was this a shift in trying to prolong his career? Was this um, that you really, truly believe that Malcolm Brown and Daryl Henderson were worthy of more carries? Um, you just never got the sense that that entire group was on the same page because clearly Gurley was not the same Todd Gurley we've seen before. He was not hurdling anybody. He wasn't breaking. He broke away for no long touchdown um, runs this year, which is a signature move of Todd Gurley to break through that third level. Um, So he clearly was a different player. But then again, the Rams continue to tell us, no, he's the same Todd Gurley. He's the same Todd Gurley. And none of it ever matched up. And you could just 
feel the frustration almost from both sides kind of coming and going throughout the season as much as they tried to keep it in-house. Mm-hmm. You mentioned you know, that Gurley was not the same player. You mentioned that he didn't have those long, explosive games, which is 100% true. But, of course, I have to ask at the same time, the Rams' offensive line was a bit of a disaster this year. I mean, they, they turned over multiple pieces on the interior. There were injuries. Both their tackles, Andrew Whitworth and Rob Havenstein, who had been playing at a Pro Bowl level in 2018, declined in 2019. In terms of watching Gurley play, even beyond those explosive plays, how much of, of the decline in terms of the numbers do you put on Gurley, and how much of it do you put on the offensive line not being as effective? Yeah, I put a lot of it on the offensive line. You also have to put it on play calling. I mean, frankly, they weren't looking to hand the ball to him. I mean, Todd, his snap count wasn't drastically down from what it has been in the past, but his touches were down. They weren't giving him the ball. There's a direct correlation to how when Todd Gurley carries the ball, when Todd Gurley touches the football um, 15, 18, 20 times, Mm-hmm. The Rams tend to win more of those games. Um, but when he was down in those lower numbers, those are the games they lose. Defenses obviously don't have to kind of bite on that. They don't have to bite on the play action. And a lot of that does come back down to the offensive line and what they were able to do. Um, so it, I don't know that we'll ever know exactly how much of this was right. an offensive line that was not consistent and was injured and was frankly young and inexperienced Mm -hmm. how much of it was play calling and Sean McVay wanting to evolve and not have to be so reliant on Gurley and and how much of it just came down to kind of the perfect storm I don't know that we'll ever kind of know the answer to that Mm -hmm. yeah it makes sense in terms of that running back situation right now that the uh the depth chart includes Malcolm Brown Daryl Henderson the 2019 third round pick and John Kelly do you see the Rams adding a running back to that rotation over the rest of the offseason I do. Uh, Malcolm Brown has been a good number two serviceable backup. He has, uh, mm-hmm. this last season, he had more of an opportunity kind of in some goal line situations, and he is a good running back. I don't know that he's a feature back. In fact, I would absolutely lean to the fact that he's probably not a feature back. Uh, Daryl Henderson, we didn't get to learn too much about him. I know um, there was a lot of excitement that he was kind of that change of pace back coming uh, in the third round out of Memphis. Um, last year, he had a couple little injuries that happened, um, a couple kind of rookie mistakes, and at the end of the season, when he would have had maybe a bigger opportunity, he hurt his ankle. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I, I think the Rams are probably going to have to look to the draft and, and bring in another back, maybe someone who's more of a feature back who can just kind of pound the football a little bit more. Um, because let's keep in mind, while Todd Gurley wasn't uh, who we – were used to seeing last mm-hmm. season, he still was a really good running back mm-hmm. uh, who you could depend on to do his job. And right now the Rams don't really have that guy where you look to and has established himself as, as a feature back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, Daryl Henderson could prove to be that guy, but he didn't seem to be that guy last year as a rookie. Um, another person who's come up for trade rumors recently on the offense is Brandon Cooks, a guy who, like Gurley, is is shortly into a a massive extension, a guy who did struggle last year, injuries being a concern, concussions being a big concern with Brandon Cooks. Mm-hmm. How how much stock do you put in the Cooks trade rumors, and what do you think the Rams would sort of expect back in a, a Brandon Cooks trade that would make them seriously consider making that move? Yeah, I think there's a, a lot to be said about what's going on. I, where there's that much smoke, there's definitely fire. I think that um, the Rams have received several phone calls about Brandon Cooks. Uh, it'll be interesting to see and gauge exactly what they'd be willing to give Brandon up for. Um, obviously, he's another guy with a huge contract. It's a, it's a very cumbersome contract when you kind of mm-hmm. look at the details and the kind of money and the dead money involved in it, um, not to mention, obviously, the cap hit. But as for what they want in return, it, it's kind of hard to say because Brandon's a guy who is being paid – like a number one receiver, and, and he, frankly, last season didn't come close to producing on that kind of level. Now, obviously, part of that was because he had a couple of concussions, and he was sidelined for a few weeks because of those out of an abundance of caution. Uh, part of that is, is he just hasn't played a huge role in the offense. Jared Goff, and maybe, again, this kind of goes back to the running game and the offensive line. Uh, the offensive line couldn't provide maybe perhaps enough protection, so mm-hmm. is it a Jared Goff to Cooks? issue is it a cooks issue is it a is it a sean mcveigh offense issue um but i think that they are they're listening to calls on brandon just to see if 
they can find a happier solution to to maybe having a, a different guy out there their deep threat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, a guy who we know is extremely talented and who on his day can be borderline uncoverable, but you mentioned the concussions. Um, the the workload has never really been there. Even when he signed that extension, I wrote about it, and I remember saying that he was a guy who, you know, had consistently been a 1A or a number 2 or a guy who had never been sort of that that, that huge target, you know, hog in the same way that uh, DeAndre Hopkins or even a Stefan Diggs would have been in the past. So, yeah, really interesting player and a really interesting trade candidate there. Um, we've seen, sorry. Still just, just, just to add to that also, and this goes to Gurley too, it's, it's like a, with the Rams with these kind of two marquee guys in the kind of current climate that we're in um, because of the coronavirus and people aren't able to get these, the players aren't able to get these physicals and whatnot. Um, you, it really makes you wonder behind the scenes how much that is affecting their trade markets um, and what teams are willing to give up not knowing exactly what they're getting in return because of uh, they're not able to go through these physicals and have them. Todd Gurley's case, that knee checked out, and Brandon Cook's case, um, maybe go through some some checks to see what what is going on um, with the concussions and whatnot. Yeah, of course. Same thing with uh, Jadavian Clowney. We're in free agency now where it's sort of, you know, do you want to commit that much money to a guy when he does have microfracture surgery in his past and you don't know what the current status of his knee is? So, yeah, absolutely. Um, we're seeing teams maybe go for more familiar players, and we saw that with the offensive line as well here with the Rams where they did come back and re-sign Andrew Whitworth to a, uh, a new deal to come back as left tackle. Now, he slipped, of course, uh, last year to not play at the same level, at least to my eyes, that he had in years past. He committed a ton of penalties when that had not been you know, something he'd struggle with in years past. So with Whitworth, is it just a situation where it was familiarity and they, you know, the Rams didn't really have any alternatives? Do they still sort of harbor hope that he's going to be, you know, the franchise left tackle he was in 2017 and 2018? Yeah, when you watch, like you said, when you watch Andrew play last season, still a good left tackle, but, I mean, the guy's 38 years old now. Of course, there's going to be some natural decline. Uh, the key in bringing him back, though, was the fact that they just don't know who their next left tackle is. Uh, they drafted Joseph Nopum a couple of years ago out of TCU. They were hoping he could be the next left tackle. Uh, he played guard this last season before he suffered a season-ending knee injury. Obviously, that sets him back. But even um, if he were healthy, I'm not sure that the Rams were going to say, yep, we hit on that. That's our left tackle. So right now, I think they're still very, very much at the drawing board as far as who will secede Andrew Whitworth. And so for now, it's kind of a that stopgap in between, hoping he can bridge them to figure out with with certainty who their next left, left tackle is going to be. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And on the defensive side of the ball, you know, we haven't talked about it too much because of the girly story, but a bunch of turnover there as well. Uh, two veterans leaving the roster, Dante Fowler. Uh, the edge rusher, and then Michael Brockers, the longtime defensive lineman, replaced by two players who are younger and who uh, are coming from different organizations and who honestly, you know, are, are not making that much less money than the players they're replacing. Still getting pretty big deals in Leonard Floyd and Sean Robinson. So uh, less money for sure, but were you surprised the Rams weren't bigger players for Fowler or Brockers? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and it wasn't just Fowler Brockers. They also had linebacker Corey Littleton, who was a oh, yes, former undrafted free agent. Yeah, who obviously uh, played a huge role at linebacker the last two years. Uh, I was very uh, – if you had told me start a free agency that all three of those guys would have left, mm-hmm. I would have thought there was absolutely no way. I thought for certain yeah. one of the three would be back. Maybe perhaps they'd get lucky and somehow find a way to squeeze in two of the three. But I thought for sure one of the three. And – uh, you know, don't take it from me what this has done to the defense. Aaron Donald uh, made – he didn't mention a lot of words, but he, he sent out a angry emoji face uh, <laughs> after after an ESPN LA tweet that mentioned all three of these guys were gone. So um, clearly this has a huge impact on the defense. And I'd say for Aaron Donald especially because uh, a lot of people don't understand what Michael Brockers did but those two really worked in tandem together. They're not only longtime friends, but Brockers and, and, and Aaron Donald know how to complement each other. And a lot of what AD is able to do, not saying he wouldn't be hands down the best defensive player ever alone, but a lot of what he's able to do 
is dependent on who is next to him. And, and so, like you said, they bring in a couple guys who are and certainly wouldn't be considered upgrades from Dante Fowler and Michael Brocker. So it's going to be really interesting to see um, how that impacts Aaron Donald's game going forward. Of those three guys, of, of Littleton, Brockers, um, and Dante Fowler, which three did you think were most likely to return to Los Angeles? I thought Dante Fowler. I know the Rams have been hesitant to commit to a long-term deal with him, um, but I thought that they'd maybe work out another one-year, another two-year deal. I mean, Dante obviously had issues down in Jacksonville. He said time and again how much he loved being in L.A., um, how much he wanted to return, even if that was on a short-term deal. So the fact that something wasn't able to get done there uh, surprises me. Um, of course, a lot of guys say how much they love it in their current situation, but whoever offers the most tends to be where they sure. where they go. But I, I am surprised that he did not was not brought back. Yeah, um, you know they traded for him. They re-signed him last year. He finally had that sort of breakout season the Rams were hoping for. And then they do get a comp pick, and they don't have to give up a comp pick for uh, because Leonard Floyd was cut by the Bears. But still, a uh, an interesting situation where you know Fowler kind of did what the Rams were hoping for, and then they ended up getting price out of his market, which came in, I believe, around sixteen million dollars a year from the Atlanta Falcons. Um, not a lot of cap space around right now for the Rams. I think it's in, uh, according to Spot Track, at least it's in the. $13 million range. Um, mm-hmm. In terms of this roster, obviously Cooper Cup is in line for an extension this offseason. Jalen Ramsey, who the Rams traded for and gave up multiple first-round picks to acquire, uh, is in line for a massive extension at some point. Do you think the Rams are still going to be active in the market trying to find a bargain or two? And if that's the case, where do you think they might target a veteran in the sort of, you know, second week of free agency? Yeah, I think they definitely will be looking for a bargain or two. Uh, If I were betting on it, I would say they're going to try and look for a linebacker. I mean, after Corey Littleton's departure, it leaves them with three players who are really unproven, Micah Kaiser, uh, Traven Howard and Kenny Young. So really at linebacker, they're thin. And then also if you look back in their secondary, they're going to be thin a safety right now after they kind of, at, uh, Marquis Christian just signed the Jets. Not, not a huge name by any means, but a rotational player yep. back there. Um, and of course, Eric Weddle also retired. So they're a little bit thin, um, at starting depth at safety. They say they're, uh, they feel good about cornerback. But uh, they also just let uh, – they released the Cal Roby Coleman, who, who mm-hmm. played in the slot, and I'd expect that uh, Troy Hill or Darius Williams, one of those guys, can play in there. But, again, that doesn't leave them with a lot of depth. And last season, they it didn't seem that uh, their third-round pick, David Long from Michigan, uh, really – he didn't do much on the field. They didn't really give him much of a chance to do uh, too much either. So that, that kind of leads you to wonder how much confidence they have in his ability going forward. Yeah, and I mean a team that is without a first-round pick that does have an extra third-round pick as a compensatory selection, but a team that does not have that sort of ability to add a instant impact player with their first-round selection at a spot on this roster. And oh, one other player I don't normally talk about kickers on this show, but I mean, <laughs> you know Johnny Hecker and Greg Zerline have been together for what seems like forever now. I think almost a decade. Mm-hmm. And, and Zerline's a free agent. Is that a place where the Rams, you think, are going to move on and try and end, end with a cheaper option uh, at kicker? I I know that they have been out looking at kickers, uh, whether that means that they are finding somebody that they want to move on forward with or if they fall back to Zerline remains to be determined. But it's really funny because he's been kind of one of the um, under-the-radar free agents. Uh, and last year, he, he obviously experienced a decline um, in his field goal percentage, he has battled through a couple of injuries now the last couple of seasons. Um, so that might be something where the Rams are, are willing to move forward just because of the lifespan of a kicker. And, and once you kind of have groin issues and or back issues and whatnot, who knows if those really get better. Yeah, and a team that, of course, turned over their coordinators this offseason. A lot in transition here for the Rams as we approach the end of free agency and then uh, the draft period. And, of course, a team that changed their jerseys. Uh, just so much up in the air for the Rams here in 2020. No, nothing bigger than the logos, the jerseys, and the colors. I mean, at the end of the day, no one seems to remember that Todd Gurley was just cut. It's all about the jerseys. <laughs> 
uh, I think the Patriots need to release about five jerseys now over the next week to kind of get over the Tom Brady situation there. But a, a lot to to happen with the Rams this offseason. Lindsay, you're going to be covering it for us. Where can people check out more of your Rams coverage? Yeah, check out uh, obviously ESPN's Rams page, and then you can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Lindsay Theory. Awesome. Lindsay, thank you so much. All right. Thanks, Bill. All right, thanks so much to Lindsay Theory of ESPN. Now joining me, talk about another free agent situation, another team in transition, the New England Patriots, who lost a quarterback of some renown this offseason, is Boston Globe's Nora Princiati. Nora, how are you? Hi, Bill. I'm doing, doing pretty well, sitting on my patio, you know, staring at the outside world. <laughs> Was That's that, like, very... too existential? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was, is that a metaphor for the Patriots at the moment, where they're just staring at the outside world, hoping a quarterback comes across their, their purview who they can go out and acquire? Honestly, no. I think it's just, like, a metaphor <laughs> for what I'm doing. Okay. It seems like it's what you're actually doing. I feel like doing, the Patriots but... are much more, like, on a set, even if it's a deeply weird course that, like, may or may not go up in flames, I feel like they're, like, on a set course, and I'm just, like, is it warm enough to be outside? I don't know. Okay. So you mentioned a Patriots course. Let's start there. Let's try and hook this back into football there. Let's start with the Patriots course. Is there a plan for the Patriots right now? Because it seems like free agency, Tom Brady, quarterbacks, the, the 2020 season – all seems just kind of be passing them by. Is that an unfair speculative comment to suggest? Well, so I think the plan is Jared Stidham, which I, I'm starting to come to terms with the idea that that is an actual plan. Okay. Um, because, you know, it, it's the same as it's always been, right? Like, Let's not play this too too crazy in free agency. Let's wait around for this compensatory pick. Um, it's kind of typical Patriots stuff, right? It's just that 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 one guy doesn't work here anymore. So, does the rest of the equation really hold up under those different circumstances? Right. That's what we, dear reader, are going to find out. I mean, you know, again, you you cover the Patriots, so you've seen much more Jared Stidham than I have. I've only seen, you know, highlights and clips here and there. Obviously, uh, the preseason action from Jared Stidham. Uh, what do you what do you think of that plan? Is there any reason to think that Jared Stidham is way further along in his development and way more ready to be replacing Tom Brady than it might seem from the outside? Uh, no, no. Oh, I mean, no. when you say that I, <laughs> so all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna tie this in a bow in a second. You'll see how these are not necessarily contradictory statements. Okay. Um. So first of all, when you say that I've seen a lot more Jared Stidham than you have, true. Like I've I've seen Patriots preseason games and 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 thus, although I shouldn't make assumptions about your Patriots preseason game viewing habits. Um. I still have seen very little of Jared Stidham. So you know. I always hate talking to people and, and saying those things that you hear about every young backup quarterback where it's like, well, they really love him. And, and what does that even mean? I mean, you know, it's not very often that you're going to have a lot of team team people just trash talking a guy on their roster who, you know, isn't in a primary spot. Um, although I guess team people trash talk players all the time, but again, not backup quarterbacks that they're potentially staking their future on mm-hmm. anyway. Um, I think that there are some obvious positives to him in that he has a little bit of athleticism that, you know, Tom Brady, for all of his many positive qualities, uh, was never really going to give the Patriots. I think that is something that um, the list of quarterbacks, Bill Belichick and the Patriots, have shown interest over the last several years. A lot of them have been a little bit more mobile. So I think that is kind of a, a toy that they would like to play around with. Um, I think he's smart. I, I think he's reasonably accurate. You know, the foundational things that 
you need to be a good quarterback. I think he has those tools, but I mean, there's just no way of knowing. And he's also really, really, really inexperienced. Mm -hmm. Um, I do think that really all the Patriots need from their, their quarterback position is someone who, you know, is a net positive and doesn't, doesn't make a lot of huge mistakes, doesn't turn the ball over a lot, doesn't put them in, in bad situations where they can't take advantage of having a very, very good defense. So the bar is not Tom Brady, weirdly enough, even though that's the, the hole that they have to fill. Um, the thing is, the reason that I'm saying that Jared Stidham qualifies as a plan is that I think what we've realized over the last week here is that Bill Belichick and the Patriots are doing everything exactly the same as they always have and not deviating from form even in a really, I shouldn't say really unique, but a unique, because that doesn't make sense, but a truly unique situation, they have not done that. So that means, you know, you don't, extend yourself further than you want to for a player who, you know, is on the wrong side of whatever age dividing line you set, even if it's Tom Brady. They're not doing the splashy free agent stuff. You know, they are being methodical and valuing those comp picks and, and going about this in the same way that they always have in an off season that because of the Brady factor and also because of just the huge amount huge amount of attrition in high-profile players and coaching staff that we've seen over the last two off-seasons, I think a lot of us, myself in some ways included, thought would warrant slightly different behavior. It has not. Okay. So, Nora, if I'm not mistaken, you grew up in the New England area while Tom Brady was the Patriots quarterback. Is that fair to say? That is – it is not only fair to say, it is just – I – arrived in the New England area at Northeastern University in September of 2001, weeks before Tom Brady took over as the starting quarterback of the New England Patriots. So we are both in a similar boat here in that we have known very little but Tom Brady as the Patriots quarterback. And it's it's been part of a, a link with Bill Belichick. They've been, you know, you can't say one without saying the other at this point. Did you believe, whether it was as a someone growing up covering watching the Patriots, as someone who covers the Patriots, did you believe that Belichick was going to make an exception for Brady and have Brady sort of be the you know, the one player who he was willing to hold on to even after it was too late and who he was willing to keep around at any cost? Or did you kinda always figure that Belichick was going to be ruthless and just move on from Brady and treat him the same way he treated you know, Richard Seymour and Logan Mankins and every other, you know, great Patriots player of the past. If we're talking about it within the context of this off season, no, I did not think, um, and I actually, I was surprised that Brady left, but I thought that Brady was going to cave. I did not think that Bill would change his tune. Really? Yeah. I, maybe I'm just goable. Maybe I'm just naive, but I always thought Belichick would say, you know what? This is the one player who I'm willing to toe the line on. And maybe that's just me being sentimental. Maybe I thought that, you know, Bill Belichick would, 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 you know, give in, but Bill Belichick is Bill Belichick and he did not. And the thing that I think worries me about Jared Stidham is not Jared Stidham in a vacuum. But I think about this offense in 2019, and it wasn't very good. It was not good running the football. It was not especially good throwing the football, especially as the year went on after those kind of first few weeks where, you know, they had Antonio Brown and Edelman was healthy and the offense did look pretty good for the first three games. But Tom Brady really struggled with the weapons, with the offensive line, with the running game he had. Now, I look at this roster the only player, I believe in, and correct me if I'm wrong, the only offensive players they have added to this roster uh, are Brian Hoyer, who, nice nice guy, I'm sure, a, a perfectly fine veteran who knows the scheme, quarterback, 
uh, Damier Bird, who is sort of the speedy replacement for Philip Dorsett, who was a the backup receiver around the league before this point, and Dan Vitale, who is going to compete with James Devlin for the fullback job. So not exactly adding a lot of weapons to an offense that wasn't very good last year. So should the Patriots be trying to add more pieces for Jared Stidham if he is the plan? Well, should they be? Absolutely. And I think, look, they have a glaring, glaring, glaring need at tight end that at this point, they're probably going to have to address through the draft, at least in terms of adding sort of high-end talent unless there's a, a trade option available that's not too expensive for them because I think right now they have around $3 million in cap space. There are some ways that they can expand that, but, you know, anything really significant, uh, they're going to be priced out of pretty quickly. Now, it is interesting that those players, while they are not, elite-level household names, they do fill in pieces that either existed last year in last year's offense or they wish had existed in last year's offense. Like, Mm -hmm. for instance, the lack of a fullback was really, really harmful to Mm -hmm. them. I mean, when James Devlin went down, they took a guy who they had acquired as a practice squad exemption through the International Player Pathway Program and had him starting at fullback. They really, really, really wanted to have a fullback on the field uh, because of what, you know, the parts of the playbook that it allows them to have. And then they ended up using Landon Roberts and, and like, quite a few defensive players to, you know, just try to have those things available to them, mm-hmm. which I think shows you how important they are to them. And then, you know, just having, first of all, Demir Bird returns punts, which the Patriots just, like, didn't have a punt returner for large parts of the 2019 season, which is sort of hysterical if you think back about it. I mean, just of all the things that were, you know, are not important, so we're never going to speak of them again, I just, that will always have a little space in my heart, is that the Patriots just, like, didn't have anyone who was really a a natural punt returner um, because they didn't want to be using Edelman uh, when he was hurt for much of the season doing that. So, it's it's not as though these moves are adding up to, oh, wow, they're really going to switch things up on offense. They're really going to try to find a different way of going about doing things, which they still could do. I mean, I think one of the important things about Bill Belichick is that, you know, he's not looking at a date in April before the draft or before training camp and, and thinking, I need to be done by this point. I need to know what my team is. I need to know what works best. That's always, you know, really midway through the season for them, which is something that I think has served them well. So they'll fiddle around with things. But I guess one thing that has surprised me a little bit, although I don't, you know, I don't think that any of these players, despite not being particularly splashy, look like terrible signings. It's just that again, they're they're chugging along, they're filling the same roles. They're there's this weird consistency and sameness in this wildly different situation because Tom Brady doesn't play for the Patriots anymore. So even though the Patriots were not very good on offense last year, at this point I'm looking at it and saying, Well, they're kinda gonna try to just have better health and, and trot the same kind of system out so far, I think that's what things are pointing to. Yeah, I don't think that's a good idea, Nora. I, I, again. I sort of don't either, but, like, Bill knows best at a certain point. He does, but does it feel like a thing where they're almost trying to convince themselves that everything is fine by not making a move? Um, well, they did try to, try to be in on the Stefan Diggs thing. Really? So, yeah, at least I, I, that's not my own reporting. I've, and I wish I could credit whoever had that, but I've seen that reported multiple places that they, they tried to make that happen, but it mm-hmm. got a little bit too rich for their blood. Um, which has been the case. I mean, there are a number of bigger name guys that, uh, over the last couple of years, they have tried to 
get and they've swung and missed and it just hasn't happened. Um, and obviously right now, one of the main reasons uh, less significant in the trade, but just in terms of this off season as a whole is again, money because they don't have very much of it. Sure. But this is a team that maybe not unexpectedly to you, but certainly unexpectedly to me franchise Joe Thune to the tune of $14.7 million per season. Um, did, I mean, does that seem strange to you, given that they're already paying Shaq Mason, uh, you know, what amounts to, I think, $10 million a year? Yeah. I mean, a lot of things have seemed strange. Um, I think Joe Tooney absolutely deserves that money. He's a very, very good player. But, right, that's that's a lot of money for guards. Um, I fully expected to see Joe Tooney gone, uh, as did, I think, most people in football. I think, I mean, that was one of the guys of the combine this year where everyone was just like, well, that guy's going to get paid, rubbing hands together, dollar signs popping into eyeballs. Um, so, no, I mean, I, I can't really sit here and tell you that the last few weeks I've looked at and been like, oh, yeah, totally. I get what I get what's going on here. But the only common denominator that I can find through all of it is – they're all in one way or another sort of like typical Patriots things to do. Now, again, when you place that within the current context that we're all operating in, it's like, am I taking crazy pills? Like, how is this going to work, guys? But they all are the types of things that would seemingly pass Bill Belichick's test for is this good value? Is this preparing for the future? You know, this, that, and the other thing. And I guess all I can sit here and, and sort of guess that is that they're in there going, Tom Brady or no Tom Brady, this has worked for us for a long time. And we've got to evaluate what's out there the same way that we always have. We've got to think about roster building the same way that we always have. And we'll see where we are. You know, roster construction doesn't end in, it doesn't end after the draft. It doesn't end after free agency. Um, And we'll see how it goes. I mean, I'm not optimistic. Like I think they could go, you know, four and twelve with Jared Stidham. He's really young. He's he's promising, but I, I would not be bullish on it. Um, still, you know, things they went about things as they always do last season, and I would say that that didn't really work out. No, I mean, they obviously I mean, made the playoffs. That's a lot better than four and twelve. But sure. you know, like you said, it wasn't a great offense a lot of the year, and and by the standard that they have set for themselves. The season did not make a lot of people happy and feel accomplished. So no. here's here's the other part yeah. of this. Here's the problem for me with the we're okay. gonna do what we normally do. We're gonna we're you know, just gonna kind of run back what we did last year, but without Tom Brady. So last year the offense we, we've said it struggled. The defense was Tom Brady's really good. Tom Brady's really good. That that was the problem. The defense was incredible last year. It was number one by every metric I can find. The defense has lost Danny Shelton, Jamie Collins, Landon Roberts, Kyle Van Noy, um, and Jerron Harmon. Am I forgetting anybody else? No, you're good. So that's five, if I can count. We have one, two, three, five. Yeah, Either that's, that's, the other, that's the other thing that we need to worry about is that I'm currently unclear who plays linebacker for this team. <laughs> Juwan Bentley. Is it, is it Steve Belichick? Is he playing linebacker for the Patriots this year? <laughs> oh, God willing. God willing. I mean, no, like, I'm, not, I, I'm not super I'm concerned. Television. Right. Just for the hair alone. I'm not too concerned about the Bill Belichick finding some linebackers. Like, I'm sure he's going to trade a seventh-round pick to somebody and get the next Kyle Van Noy. But you would figure the defense, which, again, played incredibly last year, 
It is not going to be quite as good. Even if they're the fifth best defense in football, they're still not going to be the best defense in football. So to me, it's, it's hard to construct a way that you can get the offense to improve by not having Tom Brady to kind of overcome the defense taking a step backwards just because they were so good last year, which is that doesn't seem to add up to a winning season. I don't think it adds up to a winning season either. No. I'm concerned about this because I, my, my impression, maybe I'm wrong. I mean, do you think the Patriots are just secretly tanking for Trevor Lawrence? Is that a viable philosophy for Bill Belichick? Um, no, I don't think that they're, I, I just don't think that that's in their character. I don't think they can I'm even do it you if that they try. I think, that the things, I think they think the things that they are doing make sense, and I think they are being patient, and I think that they are trying to make individually smart decisions, okay. and they are going to give a young quarterback a genuine chance to win the starting job, you know, maybe in competition with Brian Hoyer, maybe in competition with Brian Hoyer and someone else. I mean, let me ask you this. Sorry, this is your podcast. But, like, do you think that Andy Dalton makes the Patriots the winning team next year? Maybe. Like, party like it's 2015. I mean, I, I was going to ask you that question about, you know, do you think they are going I'm really to be... sorry. I haven't left my house in a long time. And that, that turns you into an interviewer? That's a very strange... <laughs> like a crazy person. No, I mean... I'll, I'll answer your question first, then I'm going to ask you. Okay, great. Question. I mean, Andy Dalton, we know, in 2015, was great with an excellent offensive line, with a very solid running game, and with some of the best receivers in football. Um, I don't know if the Patriots have any of those things. I think the offensive line could be good, although in addition to losing all those players, they've lost Dante Scarnecchia, who is the best, one of the best offensive line coaches in football history, which can't help. Um, their running game was a disaster last season, and I say that as a someone who did have Sony Michelle in a fantasy football league and grew to honestly despise Sony Michelle, which is incredibly unfair. He seems like a perfectly nice guy, um, but a disaster in fantasy football last year. And a, a group of receivers who, you know, maybe the worst tight end group in football. You would hope Muhammad Sanu is healthy and more productive. You'd hope that Inkil Harry is healthy for the season and does improve in his second year. I could buy both those things, but I mean, Julian Edelman is also now 33, and you would figure he's not getting better than he was in years past. He's probably getting worse on the way down. Um, and injuries are still a concern for all three of those receivers. So I... You know, I don't see a clear path where I'm like, oh, well, this is going to happen. And because of that, the Patriots are likely to improve. It could happen. It's not out of the question. But I, I don't see them surrounding someone like an Andy Dalton with the weapons they need for him to be more than just a, you know, a competent veteran replacement, which if they want to try and win 10 games and they want to get a higher floor than what Jared Stidham offers, I could see Andy Dalton probably not be a trade because I don't think they want that contract, but you know, if Andy Dalton gets cut, which seems likely, they could go after him in free agency. But we saw, I mean, today, Cam Newton was cut by the Carolina Panthers. Jameis Winston is still a free agent. I mean, do you see the Patriots prioritizing any of those guys to add them to their roster? So, and again, I think, you know, one of the things that you always have to keep in mind when you're thinking about how Bill Belichick makes decisions is that it's not just about this year. So they are not going to do anything, and they also can't really at this point, that is going to require them to extend themselves in a significant way financially. So, you know, do I think them signing Cam Newton is ultimately unlikely? Yeah, but we also don't really know what the market is for Cam Newton right now because how long is he willing to wait out? the coronavirus situation in the hopes of potentially being able to get a physical that could drive up his market because teams could be potentially a little bit more comfortable with his health situation. Mm. I don't know. There's no way of knowing the answer to that question unless like I could get inside Cam Newton's brain, um, which to date I have been unable to do <laughs> despite multiple attempts. Uh, one thing that is always true with the Patriots is that if the price gets low enough, 
they will take a swing. So I just think that it's at this point going to be more about just because none of those quarterbacks who are available look like they're likely, you know, long-term viable options. They're not going to have like an expensive bridge quarterback Mm. at this point. There isn't even, I mean, you know, Brian Hoyer is already in that role anyway, and it just doesn't make sense for them for the sort of, not long-term, but medium-term, I guess. Um, Even if you can argue that it might be a help this year. Yeah, go ahead. Can I offer a counterpoint to the Brian Hoyer argument? (laughs) That would be a great name for a band. Brian Hoyer. Okay, so Brian so, Hoyer argument. Yeah, so Cam Newton won league MVP a few years ago, and Brian Hoyer is like, be honest, if you saw Brian Hoyer at Star Market or, or Stop and Shop, would you recognize Brian Hoyer? Well, yeah, but I cover the New England Patriots. That doesn't matter. I, I, going from the basis of covers the New England Patriots, would you recognize Brian Hoyer? Yeah. Okay, so you would. Okay, that's fine. I would not. As someone who does not cover the Patriots, but if Cam Newton were in Wegmans, I would recognize Cam. I, I would be like, okay, this is a guy who is a little more notable than Brian Hoyer. I, I would not be willing to settle if I were the Patriots for, oh, well, Brian Hoyer has this position locked up. He's good. Like, I, I would still want to, at the right price, I guess, I would still want to give the guy who was a league MVP a few years ago a viable shot at uh, at least competing to see if he's worth my starting job. Right, so I'm totally with you there. Okay, good. Like, I would love, but first of all, though, I just want to hop in and say one thing, which is that if we are judging people on more or less noticeable at a grocery store than Cam Newton, who is built like Superman and has a penchant for insane hats, like, (laughs) who clears that bar? Uh, that's a good question. I'm not sure. Who are you more likely to notice at a grocery store than Cameron Newton? Oh, boy. Like, I would, you know what I would argue? Mm. I would argue that Brad Pitt is less noticeable at a grocery store than Cam Newton. Mm. That's Brad Pitt. Yeah, you're probably right. Though, do we know that okay. Cam, do we know that Cam wears those hats to the grocery store? I, I don't. In addition to not being inside Cam Newton's head, I am also have never been at a grocery store with him. You would know. Uh, to be fair, you would know if you had been in uh, a grocery store with Cam Newton. So that's fair. Right. Now, have I been at a grocery store with Brad Pitt? We can't be sure. We cannot be sure because from behind, he just looks like a, you know, average build kind of guy. So does Brian Hoyer. Okay. Right. But I'm, I am assuming that I can you know, will at some point be able to see the face. I would recognize Brian Hoyer at a grocery store. Okay. Let me circle back. I, I don't disagree with you at all. Okay, Cam, Cam Newton has a, you know, the, the health is the question mark, right? But the health also drives the cost down. So I think it would be worthwhile if it was, you know, weren't expensive. Mm-hmm. I just don't think that what the Patriots have been doing for the last couple of weeks um, signals to me that, you know, making another big splash at quarterback is necessarily something that they're going to do, again, unless it becomes something that is of very clear value. Because then they'll, like I said, they will take a swing at, you know, anything that has a really high upside, which Cam Newton obviously does. Sure. Just on hats alone, Cam Newton has major upside value. On hats um, Yes. Um, yeah, I, I just I, – I know we're not disagreeing here. It just feels like this is a team that, for a coach who is not young, for a roster that is not young, for a team that was a Super Bowl winner uh, as recently as last year, even beyond the Tom Brady situation, it does not feel like there is a, a – pressing desire to improve the roster and we'll see of course there is still time to go like you said uh, the draft is not the only point at which uh not, not the deadline for adding players there'll be guys who pop up here and there but it just feels like this is a team that is is losing players and has not really made many moves to replace those players 
I cannot disagree with that as myself, Nora Princiati. I'm just, again, I think that the grounding factor in all of the Patriots' moves over the last few weeks has been that they are all as individual choices, very Patriot-like, and to me, say that the team just thinks that the best thing for them to do is go about business as usual and be value conscious in the way that they have been for 20 years. And even if those things aren't currently tying together in a way that looks like, you know, an above 500 team to me, I don't think that they think that the, you know, one, that this is the final product to that really there's anything else that they could do that would make sense. Okay, let's finish up there. You've mentioned a couple of possible records for the Patriots. You've said 4-12 and 12 is not out of the question. You've said a sub-500 season is not out of the question. If the Patriots continue on this course where they don't add anybody significant, they maybe add a couple of you know veterans on lower-cost deals, what do you think the Patriots' record will be in 2020? Maybe they win five games. They have a five? brutal schedule next year. Sweet revenge yeah, for all those years where they had the easiest schedule in the league, huh? <laughs> okay, that's not true. But they have an absolutely brutal, you know, just in terms of the strength of the teams that they're playing and then also the travel, assuming that that's all normal, which I don't know if that necessarily feels like a safe assumption anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but as it stands, it's really tough. So, you know, factoring that in, I, I can't say that I think they'll have a winning record. So you're saying 5-11? and 11. Yeah, I guess so. I kind of wanted to say 4-12, and 12, but I think that's just because they go 12-4 and four so often that it's like the inverse feels somehow comfortable, but I'm going to give them a fifth one. All right, 5-11. and 11 says Boston Globe writer Nora Princiati. Nora, if people want to offer their opinions on that very reasonable and not at all antagonistic, some might say, prediction, which I don't think it's antagonistic, but some people may think that, where can people do that? At Bill Barnwell on Twitter. (laughs) They already do that, unfortunately, with stuff I did not actually say. Uh, I will plug Nora Princiati's Twitter, which is at Nora Princiati. Nora does excellent work covering the Patriots and is always a wonderful guest here on the Bill Barnwell Show. Thanks, Nora. Absolutely, Bill. All right, thanks so much to my guest today, Lindsay Theory of ESPN, Nora Princiati of the Boston Globe, talking about the incredible free agent transitions that are happening with those two Super Bowl teams from a year ago. Such a strange, strange league we are in when teams turn over so quickly. But obviously, a lot still to come in free agency, a lot to still come with trades. We're going to keep previewing the draft and a lot more football on the way. So thanks so much for listening. Hope you guys are staying healthy and doing well. And we'll be back next week.